You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, your host, and with me today is Professor Michelle Goodwin. Professor Goodwin is the visiting professor of law at the University of Chicago, the Everett Fraser Professor of Law at the University of Minnesota, with a joint appointment in the Medical School and the School of Public Health at the University of Minnesota. She's also author of the 2006 book, Black Markets and the Supply and Demand of Body Parts. Thank you, Professor, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on your show. To begin with, how is our country and public policy to respond to the growing list of people waiting for organs in our country. We now know that the list is over 100,000. 50% of those people will die before receiving an organ. The waiting list is now at least five years, and 18 people die every day in the United States waiting for an organ. And we have the disproportionate representation of Afro-Americans representing over 40% of the people on this list. Is there an answer to this? Where do we go? Oh, I think there certainly are answers, actually, to this, and it would be wonderful if our legislators would respond. One of the proposals that I, I make in the book is that we can begin to address this problem, in fact, even attack this problem uh, quite aggressively to save people's lives by allowing a hybrid system. And what I mean by that, there are those that are concerned that if we were to change the system altogether and allow for incentives to basically drive how people donate, that that would, in fact, turn away some people and that that would not be the system that we want. I actually agree with that. And so what I propose is that we actually have a hybrid system where we allow altruistic donations to continue as they are, the trickle that they are into the system, but that we also begin to experiment with other kinds of programs, including incentives that help, to its very least, meet the shortfalls that people experience when they have donated organs. And beyond that, I even propose that we invite real incentives here. I mean, Richard Epstein, Gary Becker, so many other people have, in fact, really planned this out, right, so that we can know an actual figure as to sort of how much an organ may be worth. And let me, you know, just say to the listeners, people assume that somehow there's never been a number figure associated with an organ. That's not true. Every time that a transplant takes place, there is a value that is actually placed on that liver, on that kidney, on that heart. And so introducing a number, be it 10000 15000 what have you, $2,000, that would not be unusual to the sphere of how we take care of organs and transplantation. And so I would suggest that we allow incentives to come into the market or into this arena and to allow individuals or their family members to receive compensation for donating an organ. How might that work out? Well, currently, the federal government helps to subsidize dialysis. Dialysis costs up to $90,000 a year. We know that it would, in fact, save the federal government hundreds of millions of dollars each year if they even just simply paid people ten dollars or $20,000 for donating an organ such as a kidney, because what they would be doing is removing people from dialysis, immediately saving money, not only in the immediate, but in the long term with that. And the federal government could go so far as not only to pay the $20,000 or $30,000, but also to help take care of the cost of prescription medicines and still come out ahead. 
than the system that we currently have, which just simply keeps people tethered to dialysis machines several days a week for several hours a day. As you mentioned, Gary Becker in Journal of Economics Perspective mentioned the figure $15,000 would be the price that somebody who makes $35,000 a year would accept. And this would increase the cost of the operation by 9%. We would, according to Dr. Becker, increase the number of transplants by 44% to over 20000 a year with this incentive. Because it makes business sense, does it make it immoral? I think some people are, are sometimes a bit leery of business models because they intuit or assume that, well, if it's a business model, then that necessarily means that there's something immoral, clandestine, surreptitious about it. And that's not true here. I think, in fact, thinking this through in more of a business model might be the appropriate way to go. In fact, is the appropriate way to go. And people only need to be reminded of the tragedy of 9-11. What did we do to resolve it? There was a business model that was put into place. There was a special master that was assigned to basically figure out how much families should be compensated for the loss of the lives in 9-11. And there was no frowning on that. There was no national outcry. There was no one saying how immoral, how terrible. And in fact, if anything, there was very generous applause of a system that recognized not a dollar value on people, but recognized the fact that, in fact, we do have a human value. We, we have a human dignity, and it's not necessarily immoral to connect a recognition with the dignity and human value that we have, and that, in fact, it would be far worse for states and the federal government to ignore the losses of 9-11 and to ignore those families. And so I think that's one way that we might sort of think this through, Uh, a special master, if you will. Maybe Gary Becker could be our special master of organ transplantation. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and I'm speaking with Professor Michelle Goodwin, the Everett Fraser Professor of Law at the University of Minnesota and the author of Black Markets, The Supply and Demand of Body Parts. And we're discussing, is there some other solution or model to shorten the wait and get increasing amounts of kidney transplants. I'm also struck, if you can't help but read the paper, to see examples of tourism, people traveling around the world to get kidneys, often illegally obtained, often not paid for, and and as recently as this week, actually people being snatched off the street in India and being held prisoner while their kidneys were harvested. Certainly when you look at these examples, the business model that we suggest certainly would be a more valuable option than the crimes that are being perpetrated in order to get organs. It's far more humanitarian to begin with. These issues become localized for us where we don't force sick patients and their families to travel around the world and participate in nefarious schemes to get organs. I mean, I see there, there's so many spaces along a spectrum where we force people into just the most terrible situations to save their lives. What we know is that the will to survive is incredibly strong. We know that from Darwin. 
and that if pushed to the end, those people who have some capacity to do so will, in fact, try to save their lives. And we put them in the most terrible situation where to try to save their lives, they engage in practices that they know and they feel uncomfortable with. And what I want to distinguish here is the process of going abroad to India, Pakistan, Brazil, or South Africa and getting an organ from someone that's off the street, someone that they don't know, they don't have any good medical history of this person, no possibility of their surgeon doing any kind of follow-up, and it's discomforting for them. It's uncomfortable. It's what they're doing to try to save their lives, and we can understand it when we're thinking about a mother with two or three kids who wants to see her kids grow up, a father who's done well in business and is helping people. We see the scenarios, and we can understand why people would want to save their lives and how they go abroad. But there's also another problem that we see as well, with parents being forced or feeling as if they're forced and compelled to create new life children just for the purpose of having a bone marrow donor or a kidney donor. And we've also seen that in the United States. How are these, any of these models better than resolving these issues locally and allowing individuals to somehow come out just a little bit better off after they've donated an organ? There's so many ways that we actually can make our society better. Rather than thinking about the worst of people, if in fact we thought about the best of people and how transformative a government incentive or a direct payout from an insurance company or from the recipient, him or herself, what that could mean. We're talking about college scholarships for people. We're talking about people being able to buy new homes, move out of apartments. We're talking about transformative ways in which people can take what they receive from this very generous donation that they've provided and really move their lives ahead. And that's good for all of us in the United States. When we do better by our children sending them to school, when we do better by people being able to stay in in uh, better living situations, and that's better for everybody. I want to thank Professor Michelle Goodwin, who's been our guest today, and we've been discussing possible solutions to the expanding and prolonged list of people waiting for kidney transplants in the United States. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. For questions and comments, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com or visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.